So good. Um, how many, but just offhand, how many folks here actually watch the show This Is Us? Yeah. Okay. Oh. So I am almost caught up in season four, I think. Um, I've watched the last two episodes without Kristen, and I've cried both times, just sitting there at the end of the day bawling. Uh, so here is a challenge. If you're looking for a new show to watch, um, you should start This Is Us, and, and let's see if you can get current um, by the time we're done with this series. Um, Mom, someday we're going to like just have to watch. We're going to have to binge watch it until you get to a point where you can't stop. Um, I've cried... Okay, that's great. If the, okay, so I'm looking for somebody who hasn't watched it. I'll invite you over. We can start. Um, Kristen and I, the first time, uh, that show was our therapy when we had the miscarriage. Um, we didn't have, we didn't feel like talking. We just felt like hurting. And so we turned on that show and we just sobbed together through the first season. And so anyway, it's, if you're looking for a good show, it's, it's incredible how they weave different timelines together and, and just deal with all the stuff. Um, Ken Senior, do you recognize your, uh, the title there? So, one of my goals, um, God, came, God came through, and so my title for the entire series won. Uh, so it, this, this sermon journey, whatever you call it, is called This Is Us. But I, my goal is to each Sunday pull from the different titles you all gave and uh, let that be the title of individual sermons. And so I thought, given this was the first, I'd take Ken Seniors. Lights, camera, action, um, something like that, something like that. Uh, a couple things. How many did take the prediction quiz on Wednesday? Did anyone who took the prediction quiz notice anything today? Yeah! So if you haven't taken the prediction quiz, you need to. One of the questions on there was, I gave four songs, which just happened to be all four songs we sang today, and I said, which of these songs will we sing the most over the course of the year? And so yesterday morning, I was, I was honestly not feeling all that inspired in terms of the service. I was like, I'm going to play a prank. I'm just going to make us sing all those songs. And so we're currently tied. Uh, so I'll, if you haven't taken it, I'll give you that sheet today, or I'll just post it on the Facebook page. So, um, I think that's it. We could use some help cleaning. We really need some deep cleaning. We're in one of those seasons. Uh, so if you had a couple hours, some areas of need really are the nursery and, and kind of sanitizing all those toys for both play space and our own nursery. Um, the kitchen could use a good deep clean, the chairs. So if you have a couple hours and you like that, talk to me. Uh, we'll get that, that going. Turn with me to the book of Acts. Acts chapter 1. We're going we're gonna to go slow through this. Uh, we're going to go slow until I get bored or, or you get fed up and we hit the fast forward button. I'm guessing that will happen somewhere around Acts 17-ish or, or so. Yeah. We might not make it through Acts 2 till Easter. Acts chapter 1, and I'll be reading... Um, I'll, let's just do the first three verses. Theophilus. Who's falling asleep already? Oh, man. Theophilus. 
The first scroll I wrote concerned everything Jesus did and taught from the beginning right up until the day he was taken up into heaven. Before he was taken up, working in the power of the Holy Spirit, Jesus instructed the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he showed them that he was alive with many convincing proofs. And he appeared to them over a period of 40 days, speaking to them about God's kingdom. This is the word of God for the people of God, from the people of God. Thanks be to God. I've debated um, a little bit just how nerdy and slow to go. Uh, if, we were, if we were in one of those churches that, that you just have to go verse by verse, um, like a Calvary Chapel or different churches kind of in that tradition, uh, one of the things they would say is, is, I can't skip verses, so I need to give you um, some exegesis on every verse. So if we were to do that, one of the nerdy uh, topics we could do is spend today talking about Theophilus. Theophilus, which was kind of the patron that paid for Luke to, to tell the Gospel of Luke, and then the part two of the Gospel of Luke, the book of Acts. It's interesting, I think Theophilus' name is, called, or is translated lover of God. So there's some people that want to speculate. Was Theophilus literally a person who kind of funded this mission? Or, or is Luke just using Theophilus as like this motif to say he's writing to the whole church, the lovers of God? That would be kind of fun. Um, I tend to think it was a real person. And so if we were to just go one verse, and this would be the sermon on one verse, we could talk about this idea that, that for Luke to tell the Jesus story, he needed to have somebody who would fund it. And so, did you hate that sermon? I, yeah, I didn't like that sermon either. Um, and so what does it look like in the year 2020, where the statistics show that churches are if not have lost, are on the verge of losing like 75% of their income. And how do churches continue to fund the mission? Where do we go to get more Theophiluses in our world? That's not the sermon today. But, but if I was to do it week by week, we, we, we would do that. I want to spend today talking about the things we talk about. How many of you are introverts? Any introverts in the room? Introverts. How many of you, let's put it this way, how many of you, when you're going to a social setting, there are some social settings you just have to make plans of what you're going to talk about? Is there anybody like that? Okay, Shay, okay, you're with me. I am like that. Social settings make me wildly nervous. There are not many social settings in my life where I have to think about the things I'm going to talk about prior to get into the place so I have something to talk about. So, uh, let me ask this question. Where are, what are your go-to topics in social settings if you're going to have to have conversation? What are your, social, what are your go-to topics? Sports. sports. So we got a sports. Yes, we know. Joe talks about sports. What else? Family. Family. Politics. Politics. Work. What's that? Weather. Weather. Crime. Crime. You're one of those. Food. Favorite television shows. Dude, I did that. I had coffee with my long-lost childhood friend after the funeral this week. And, and we were in that initial kind of awkward stage of like we were best friends when we were zero to ten. But we have talked very little since then, but we still hold on to that friendship. And so we sat down to our coffee. I was like, 
I said, you got any good shows you could tell me about? Because I was liking that art. I was like, what do I talk about? So yeah, I got that. What else? Health. Nuclear war. Nuclear war. Boy, that's a that's that's an encouraging that's an encouraging conversation topic. I like it. So my three. Let's see if you can guess. My three go-to's. I really have four. My but three are sports. And it's interesting. I can dance between real sports or fantasy sports. So sports, politics. It used to be, that's changed for me. The way I would dance in that conversation is different now than it, it used to be. Um, and then the church world and theology. What's that? That's like Joe. And then theology. I, I find it, it does not matter if I'm talking with church people or non-church people. Because they know I'm a pastor, I, I inevitably get into theology conversations that are fascinating. Um, I, the other thing I do, uh, because I'm nervous in social settings, and because as a kid and preteen, I was left out and excluded from social settings, I had to learn how to get people to want to talk to me. And so one of the ways I did that is I learned that people like to talk about themselves. So if you can just hone in on an interest or an occupation or something other people like to give themselves to, one of the things I just do is I will... And Shay, this, here, learn from a wise sage. If you just learn something they're passionate about and just go for it, there's at least 25 minutes of conversation in any interest, hobby, or occupation from anybody. Podcasting, listening to podcasts has helped me because they typically take about 45 minutes and talk about a certain thing. And so I've learned that you can just dive deep with a question and then layer the question and layer, and it's just really good. And if I do that to you, which I'm pretty sure I've done to everyone in this room, don't take it as an insult. Take it as somebody who learned that he was excluded from social settings in his teenage and childhood years, and I had to learn the skill set. And I am honestly fascinated about the things we're talking about, but I'm also trying to overcome that part of me that gets nervous because I don't want people to reject me. Does that make sense? What does this have to do with Acts? There's something about what we talk about naturally when we're with people that tells us about ourselves. So there's something about me that when I talk about sports, it becomes clear Sean is passionate about sports. Sean listens to a podcast a day about fantasy sports. Um, I, I had a barista at my local coffee shop that I could not click with. I clicked with them all, but this one lady, I could not crack. It was awkward. And so, and it's one of those little coffee shops where you don't just move down the line, you're kind of staring at them until you're out the door. So it was just awkward until I realized they watched The Bachelor. <laughs> and I watched The Bachelor. In fact, The Bachelor debuted this week and Kristen wasn't home, so I watched The Bachelor alone. But that hobby, that watching of The Bachelor, I was able to connect with that barista. And so now anytime I go get coffee, like, what did you think about the latest show? What did you think about that Bachelor? What did they do, right? That tells you something about me, right? I find it fascinating. I find it fascinating that Acts tells us from the very beginning, what does Jesus talk about? Read it again, verses 1 to 3. What is it that Jesus talks about? Verse 3, after his suffering, he showed them that he was alive with many convincing proofs. 
He appeared to them over 40 days, speaking them to about speaking about speaking to them about God's kingdom. So what is Jesus go to conversation piece? It's God's kingdom. Now, this is where I need to mess with you and hopefully keep my job. I know it's only the first week in Acts. If you asked, if you asked um, somebody who does not come from maybe the Jesus tradition, somebody outside the church world, what do Christians talk about? What, what is the Jesus message? Now, this is obviously, I'm, I'm creating an over-caricature, but go with me. For many, what they think we talk about is something along this lines. You have, um, it will say me, uh, let this be you, maybe. That is you, that's me. And we have this thing, right? We have this thing called life. And in this life we live, there is this thing, um, the cross, Jesus, maybe, we might say. And so they think what we talk about and base our message on is, is that this message is about how we kind of enter into this conversation determines whether we go here, heaven, or here, hell. For many outside the Jesus tradition, outside the church world, if you ask them, what is it Christians talk about? What is it they believe? What is their conversation piece? They would Again, a caricature, but this is the caricature they might propose for us. That we have a life, and how we respond to Jesus, this story is about do you go here or do you go here? Now here's the problem. The problem is that's wrong. It's wrong. And why is it wrong? Jesus would be a good place to start. It's wrong because this is not really the message of the Jesus tradition. The message of the Jesus tradition is not relate to Jesus so you can go to heaven and not hell. That's not the message. Many of us, some of us even in this room are sitting here thinking, I'm, I, knew, I knew he would, oh, he should be fired. We've got plenty of options. We've got Terry, we've got Laura, we've got Sarah. Fire him. I, no, but but it's, it's wrong. The message of the Jesus tradition is the kingdom of God. So when we get to Acts and we're three verses in, what does Jesus talk about? No mention of heaven or hell. By the way, that doesn't really change throughout the whole book. The mention is the kingdom. Which begs the question, what is the kingdom? So, if um, one of those non-Jesus people, if you were able to have this conversation and you were able to move past this and say, this really isn't our story. Our story is the kingdom of God. And, and the non-Jesus people then asked you, okay, so what is the kingdom? How would you answer in a sentence? Okay, so it's the people, the relationships, the fruit, okay. What else? Some kind of self-control. Okay, self-control. What is the kingdom? Sacrifice. Sacrifice. See, I think it's interesting that for many of us, we don't have good language for what the kingdom is because we have been sold a bill of goods that this is our story. 
And so when we're asked to think about what is the kingdom, we aren't really sure what to do with that because we have inherited a story that says, well, the kingdom is this, but Jesus paints a different story. Turn with me to Luke chapter 1. We will not do this every week, but given that Acts is the part two to Luke, I think Jesus gives us a picture of the kingdom. And I lied. Go to Luke chapter 4. And keep your Bibles open. We're going to do, do a deep dive. We won't do the whole thing because I don't have time. But We're going to start Luke chapter 4. Because when you read the Gospels, what you should do is what you see Jesus talking about, teaching about, and embodying, that's the kingdom. So if you want to know what the kingdom is, you look at Jesus. So, so chapter 4, verse 18. And by the way, the reason we read all those um, scriptures this morning from the Sermon on the Mount was because that is the picture of the kingdom right there. So let's get Luke's version. Uh, Chapter 4, verse 18. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me. He has sent me to preach good news to the poor. So what's the kingdom? It's good news to the poor. To proclaim release to the prisoners. What's the kingdom? It's the release of those who are captives. Recovery of sight to the blind. To liberate the oppressed. And to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Which if we were good Hebrew people, we would know that that is not just a good slogan, but that is an entire societal economic reset. Those who are in debt, out of debt. Those who have been foreclosed upon, they get their home back. It's a, it's a, a wild economic uh, communal reset uh, of justice and liberation. So what is the kingdom of God? It's, it's justice. Let's go to uh, uh, verse 31. Jesus went down to the city of Capernaum in Galilee, and he taught people on the Sabbath. So what is the kingdom? Well, there's a level that the kingdom is, is teaching. It's about helping people who can't see to be able to see. They were amazed by his teaching because he delivered the message with authority. So the kingdom has some sense of weightiness to it. There's something about the kingdom that captures us. Verse 33, a man in the synagogue had a spirit of an unclean demon and he screamed, hey, what have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are. You're a holy man from God. Silence, Jesus said, speaking harshly to the demon. Come out of him. The demon threw the man down and then came out of him without harming him. So the kingdom, um, the kingdom of God, something to do with the kingdom of God is those who are oppressed by things who, that, that are demonic. The kingdom frees folks from oppression. Uh, verse 38, there, you have this story about um, Jesus going to Simon's mother-in-law who was sick with a high fever, and he spoke harshly to the fever, which is weird, but nonetheless he did it. Verse 40, everyone bought to Jesus relatives and acquaintances with all kind of diseases. He healed them. Verse 42, when daybreak arrived, Jesus went to a deserted place, but the crowds were looking for him. When they found him, they tried to keep him from leaving them, but he said to them, I must preach the good news of God's kingdom in other cities too, for this is why I was sent. So, so early on in Luke, he says, why I was sent to preach the kingdom. It's a kingdom about release for the prisoners, liberation for the economic injustice that our world so often oppresses us with, sight to the blind, healing from those who are captive. And there's something about this message that Jesus seems to say, it needs to go farther and farther and farther. Then chapter five begins with him calling a community, a community of fishermen and tax collectors, people that the rest of society said nothing 
nothing good can come from them. Jesus takes those people and he forms them into a community. So there's something about the kingdom that embraces the people the rest of society says nothing good comes from. Look at verse, uh, the title of verse before verse 12. He heals a man with skin disease. Then he heals a man who's paralyzed. Then he calls a tax collector, somebody the rest of the society hated. He had a horrible approval rating. Uh, let's go to verse chapter 6. Uh, the title, right ahead, verse 17. Jesus' popularity increases. I'll read verse 18. They came to hear him and to be healed from their diseases. And those bothered by unclean spirits were healed. The crowd wanted to touch him because power was going out from him and he was healing everyone. It's interesting that there's something about the kingdom of God that has power. If you ask people about the church today and you ask, does the church have power? Yeah, they have power to cause a lot of arguments on Facebook, but they don't really have any power that heals anybody. But there's something about the kingdom of God that seems to have power to heal. Then he gives this stupid sermon that none of us like. uh, Beginning in verse 20, he says things like, happy are the poor. Happy are those who hunger. Happy are those who weak. So, so there's something about the kingdom that is the upending of the way we normally think. And then he says even more stupid things like how terrible those, uh, for, for those who are rich. How terrible those who have plenty. How terrible for those who laugh now. Verse 27. I say to you, Uh, who are willing to hear, love your enemies. So there's something about the kingdom that doesn't just say go with the status quo and and be cool with your friends, but it's okay. You can hate Iran. No, no, no. You have to love Iran. Love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. If someone slaps you on the cheek, by the way, um, take that to modern language. If someone shoots a bomb at your country, turn the other cheek. Do you see what the kingdom is like? Jesus is talking nonsense, is he not? Down to verse 37, don't judge. Have you been on social media lately? Don't condemn. Oh, and by the way, those of you who are thinking about somebody in your mind and how they need to stop judging, guess what you just did? Forgive. Um, Verse 38, give. Go to chapter 7. The title says, a servant is healed. So you have more healing. Then Jesus raises a a widow's son. Uh, Go with me to verse 21 of chapter 7. Right then, Jesus healed many of their diseases, illnesses, evil spirits. He gave sight to a number of blind people. Then he replied to John's disciples, Go report to John, who's having real season of doubt. Go report to him what you've seen and what you've heard. Those who are blind were able to see. Those who are crippled, they now walk. People with skin disease are cleansed. Those who are deaf now hear. Those who are dead are raised. And the good news is preached to the poor. Verse 36. One of the Pharisees invited Jesus to eat with him. After he entered the Pharisee's home, he took a place at the table. And I won't read this whole thing, but essentially this sinful woman, we're told, comes and she begins to to wipe Jesus with his feet and anoint him with oil, which to us, we just read it because we come so familiarized with this story. But in that context, we would have been like, oh, this feels dirty. This is awkward. This needs, Jesus, what are you doing? But Jesus allows it to happen because there's something about Jesus in this moment that is bringing dignity to a woman the rest of society has ostracized. Verse 48, Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. So something about the kingdom that is about liberating the things that oppress people, the sins that are harnessing us and and constricting our life from real life. There's something about the kingdom that forgives that and releases people from that. Verse 8, women follow Jesus. In a society, that was unheard of. So you, 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 women 
we're, we're honestly in that society much closer to property than disciples. And so there's something about the kingdom that takes the very constructs that society creates and blows them to shreds. Jesus calms a storm. So, so there's something about the kingdom that, that takes the chaotic parts of our life and our world and calms them. Jesus heals two women in chapter 8. He sends out in chapter 9 the 12 on a mission because there's something about the kingdom that says life is not just about living and accumulating, but your life is to be about going and giving. Chapter 9, verse 10, and I'll stop because we don't have time to go the whole book, but he feeds the 5,000, which again, we were raised in Sunday school to hear this nice story about the feeding of the 5,000. But why are those 5,000 coming and following Jesus and sticking around when they're clearly hungry? They're coming because they're poor. And they don't have food. And so Jesus gives food to those who don't. So there's something about the kingdom that needs to help those who don't have food to simply have food. So in Acts chapter 1, we're three verses in, and one of the first things Jesus wants to tell us is that he spends 40 days talking about the kingdom. Luke is not just trying to start Acts so we can get to the good stuff. He's telling us from the very beginning, it's about the kingdom of God. And so if faith for you has simply been this story, then hear the good news. It's so much bigger than this. It's not just about someday when you die. But it is an invitation to this very day, live an eternal kind of life, or as Luke would say, a kingdom kind of life that can begin right here. And it can begin right now. So I'm going to do something awkward. And I have no idea if this is going to work. This is really me doing this because I love This Is Us. And I always like to gimmick things and try things. And so if this just falls flat on its face, um, make fun of me after church and we won't bring it back. On the other hand, if this is cool, maybe we'll do it some more. Here's kind of why I'm doing it. Number one, because I think it could be nerdy and cool. Number two, it forces me to wind the sermon down in three minutes. And normally, I I might wind the sermon down in 10 minutes. So, right? This is a good try, right? So what I'm going to do when I tell Shay in a second is I'm going to, if you watch This Is Us, at the end of the episode, they bring this kind of one song that kind of, it, it just plays over the drama as they, as they wind things together and blow your mind. I'm not sure I'm going to blow your mind, but I am going to try and wind it down. So Shay, if you'll, you'll hit it. So here's my invitation. Here's my invitation. It's an invitation to study under our rabbi. Chapter one of Acts, you don't get fireworks. The Holy Spirit doesn't come in chapter one and just blow the whole thing up. It starts very methodically. It starts with them around a table eating and listening to the rabbi talking about a kingdom. Because apparently after three years and after being crucified and after being resurrected, they still don't got it. And there's still more. So in 2020, for a small church of 50-ish people, I want to invite you over the next six months or a year or however long we're in it, I want to invite you, whether I'm preaching or Laura's preaching or Sarah's preaching or Terry's preaching or anybody's preaching, I want to invite you to be intentional about studying under Rabbi Jesus who invites us to experience a kingdom life. For you, that might be Wednesday nights 
where we'll just deep dive. For some of you, Wednesday nights doesn't work. So I want to encourage you to find something that does. For some of you, there, and, and, and at some level it needs to be in community, though the, I don't think community needs to necessarily happen be every week. That some of you, that's just not regular. So for some of you, I have this idea, and, and, and maybe some of you will tell me afterwards to try it. For some of you, maybe it is, Sean, send me a podcast once a week, and then once a month, let's have dinner, and we'll talk about all that content. Or, Sean, once a week, send me a blog, and then once every other month, let's get together and talk about that content. Here's the first one I want to say for some of you who Wednesdays just doesn't work. And you can kind of thank me, and you can kind of thank Susan. I have two articles. One is by a guy named David Bentley Hart, who wrote an article in the New York Times, Why Do People Believe in Hell? So, so it's a good article. It'll blow your mind a little bit on hell, and it's, I love it. Um, I just read a book by him. The other one is, The New Testament Doesn't Say What Most People Think About Heaven. It's by N.T. Wright. So the, the first step of being a rabbi or uh, studying under Rabbi Jesus might simply be to take these blogs this week and read them. And if the snow doesn't hit, we can talk about them Wednesday. Um, if it does, we won't, by the way. I hope you hear the invitation. The invitation is simply to gather over the next year as a community and to listen to our rabbi and to let his teaching about the kingdom of God force us to wrestle with what does that mean for this building? What does that mean for play space? What does that mean for our worship gatherings? What does that mean for movies in the park? What does it mean when I get in my own car and I drive home? What does that mean when I'm cooking dinner? What does that mean when I clock on for work? What does that mean when I go to school? What does that mean when I clock off work and I have free time? What does that mean when I spend my money? What does that mean when I practice my sexuality? What does that mean when I engage people the church has told me I ought not engage? The invitation is to the kingdom, amen? I want to invite those who are assisting in communion to come forward, and this will be our last act this morning. It is the defining act of the kingdom of God. And so if you are assisting, would you come to my right and to my left? And this is how we will close this time.